Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Can you go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 13? What is Jesus going to teach us today? Boy, it'd be fun, wouldn't it? It'd be, well, maybe fun's not the right word. Well, how exciting would it be to follow Jesus around? How amazing would that be to be able to sit uh, with Jesus, to hang out, to camp with Jesus, to fellowship with Jesus? I mean, you think um, how amazing that would be. Unfortunately, sometimes we get bombarded with like negative thoughts and sometimes we can even think that wouldn't be fun at all because I would feel guilty all the time and I would feel ashamed all the time and it's really interesting is that wasn't people's experience who actually followed Jesus all right the world the world tells us things that just doesn't it's not what's true about following Jesus okay I mean you had you had people from every walk of life coming to attracted to Jesus they felt welcomed by Jesus. They felt loved by Jesus. And so as we're thinking about this, I do hope that our own imaginations and I hope that our own mindset can travel back and think, you know, that really isn't any different today. All right. Even though we're not physically following Jesus in bodily form as he's around us, that what's really cool about discipleship is we really are though. All right. That's what's really great about Jesus not being like me and you. All right, me and you can only be in one place at one time. All right, me and you have a limited amount of bandwidth we can take care of. Me, me and you have all of these limitations. And what I love about Jesus is his bandwidth is, is unlimited. It's, 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 we, we can't even imagine. He's everywhere, fully intent, fully intentional, fully aware at all times. And so it's really important as we think about this, of being trained by Jesus, that we continue to lock ourselves into this idea of every minute of every day, we're walking and being trained by Jesus. You know what that means? That sometimes we might even mess up. Okay. See, that's part of training, right? Have you ever been trained in anything else? Or have you ever had to be trained to, to play a musical instrument, uh, be trained to do your job? be trained to do and it, something like that, there, there's this implication that part of the training process is that we're going to mess up, right? That doesn't mean failure or that you can't continue on. That doesn't mean that, you know, could you imagine that going to a place and your work is, is going to train you and the minute you did something wrong, they're just like, you're, you're out of here. We didn't know you did things wrong. Okay, you would go, but you're training me. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, in fact, the training means that I don't know. Okay? And so it's, it's just important as we, as we think about this that we keep recalibrating our minds on what this actually means to be trained by Jesus. Okay? And so in Matthew 13, in verse 44, 45, and 46, there is this section of Scripture right here that is it's absolutely amazing. I love it. 
But when we read this, well, let, let's read it and see, okay? Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching in parables here. He's telling these stories. Verse 44, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, okay? Now, understand something. Um, in Matthew, Matthew writes kingdom of heaven, all right? Sometimes we're like, well, what's the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? And it, what, there, there isn't a difference, okay? This is actually kind of like a head, this is a little bit of a concession for the Jews, all right? Because to the Jewish audience, they didn't really want to name God, okay? So this kingdom of heaven is a concession to the audience here. But it's still the same thing. It's the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied, then in his joy goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and he bought it, okay? So let that sink in a little bit. Here's what may happen. We may read that and go, Boy, that's pretty cool if it was true. See, see, this takes us, there's immediate tension with this verse. This is what's so great about it, is there is an immediate tension of going, what? Oh, man, that sounds really neat. But that can't be true. There can't be something so good that when we found it, we would literally go and sell everything we have and and just to have it, all right? It, really, when you think about it, is there's this tension, there's, there's these statements and questions that if you've gone to a Christian church long enough, there are questions and comments you're scared to talk about. And that's what I love about Jesus. He's going to bring it out. Hey, hey you want to know what? We got to talk about scary things sometimes, all right? Everything isn't just all of these things that we just need to agree with, but he says this, this is just a fact, this is just a fact. He's not asking us to even believe it or trust. He's just saying, hey, listen, the kingdom of heaven is this way. Now, let me just walk you through and caution you on this, okay? Sometimes it's really easy to read too much into a parable, right? The concept of a parable is it, mean, it, it, it boils down to one point. That's it. Everything in a parable isn't meant to be taken symbolically. So it's really easy to go, well... The guy found a treasure, and then he reburied it, and then he bought the field. That doesn't sound ethical, right? If you're like poking around somebody's land, and then you don't tell them. And, and what we have to remember is that the purpose of the parable isn't for us to understand all of this. It's one thing. It's one thing, all right? And this one thing is, is that there is no amount of money. There are no things that can compare to finding and living in the kingdom of heaven. That's all it means, okay? So it's really important that we approach the scripture that way, okay? But again, it's this idea of there's some tension because it may cause you right now in, in your heart of hearts to doubt. You may think maybe Jesus isn't right about this. All right, you, you may be thinking in your heart of hearts, I've never experienced this before. All right, see, this is why it's tough for, for churchgoers, Right? Because oftentimes the, the, the American churchgoer, we, we go and it's that idea of, oh, because I'm in a, in a place of worship or whatever, then everything must be okay. And that's never what Jesus teaches. And he says here, 
There should be some tension if as a disciple, as we're being trained by Jesus, can you imagine sitting down and he's giving us this lesson and going, man, guys, I think he really means it. I think he actually means that this is true. And to the guys, they're like, well, of course, we actually did that already. Like to them, they were like, we have given up everything. We have given up professions and families and all of these different things, okay? But here's the one thing to keep in mind, because again, when we start talking about the kingdom of God, there's a couple of things that we have to deconstruct a little bit in our theology, okay? One of those is this, is that we think the kingdom of God is the institution of the church, okay? What do I mean by that? The building you walk into. Okay. The kingdom of God is everything that falls under the reign of the king. Okay, So that is disciples, right? Disciples make up the kingdom of God, but there's all kinds of spiritual beings. There's everything that falls under the rule and reign of Jesus as king. Okay, Here's what happens, though, sometimes when we go, no, 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 it's the, it's the building of people. Well, then here's what happens. Then all of a sudden we start looking around and going, but there's people in my building that I go to on Sundays and it doesn't look like that's happening in their life. So it must be okay to not have it happen in your life because the kingdom of God is this institutional building I'm in. All right. And we get fooled into something that you want to know what anyone can walk through the doors into the park, whatever it is, and sit down and listen to a Christian message that anyone can do that. And the point isn't now you're in the kingdom. Who's in the kingdom are those who go, no, no, no. Jesus, you will rule me. You will be over me. He said, that's who makes up the kingdom. And so why that's important is, man, it's really hard or it's very easy sometimes to look around, to walk into like, like a house of worship and go, well, man, most of the people here, I look around and it, maybe that's not even true. But you don't understand is that means you're not living in the rule and reign of Jesus, all right? Jesus isn't talking to us about being in a building. He's saying, hey, you're going to, this is what the kingdom is like when you choose to submit yourselves and surrender in my kingdom, okay? This is what happens. Is it's like this treasure that we can't even imagine finding something like this. I, really, if you think about it, is is, is what would be the amount of money or what would be the amount of treasure that you would find that you literally would go to your house and sell everything you owned? I mean, that means you sold your house. That means you sold your refrigerator. And that means you got rid of TV. And that means, you know, you go on and on. Maybe we'd be more like the idea of, I found some treasure. Let me go find out what I can sell that I'm okay with selling so I can have this treasure. Like, like, let me go figure that out. That's more our style. And so this teaching is meant to blow our minds. This, this, well, there's not meant to be anything that equals this because there's nothing that equals the kingdom of God. There isn't anything that we go, what would I do that for? He's going, there's only one thing that would be valued this much. But here's what we've got to remember. Remember, this is just two little verses but I'll bet you anything, we could sit down at the feet of Jesus and we could talk through this and have our hearts discipled in this for hours and hours, okay? Because here's one of the things we have to remember. It's, it's a little bit ambiguous. So the kingdom of heaven, you're like, well, what is that? Can I touch that? That's why we like a building. That's why we like, like, parent, we like walls and to know that who's in and who's out and all these things. 
And so it's a little bit like, well, what is that, okay? Here's what we have to remember. The kingdom of heaven is all about the king and how great he is. Okay, that's very important to keep in mind, okay? Because if it's just the idea of being a member, then that's totally different. But if it's about Jesus and surrendering to him, it's about this. The kingdom of heaven is all about the greatness of the king, all right? So Jesus is saying this, hey, that when, when we're in this kingdom of heaven, this is why it's valuable. It's not valuable because you get some kind of perks and tax breaks and all of those kind of things. It's this valuable because of the king, all right? So we've got to We've got to slow down and think through that a little bit and go, do I think the king's very valuable to have in my life? Is, is he really worth it? Because here's what the easy message is today. The easy message is, no, what Jesus is good for is to forgive you for your sin so you don't go to hell. Okay? And going, okay, well, he's good for one thing, but he's not good for everything that way. He's not good for life if I think that way. He's not good for relationships. He's not good for morality. He's not good for any of those things. I just have a single purpose for the king, and that's that he doesn't send me to hell, okay? And see, that's not the gospel. Remember the term gospel, what that means is the announcement of a new king, an announcement of a new kingdom, okay? And so that wouldn't be super great, I don't think. Well, let's think about that for a second, okay? Is the man, there, there's all kinds of these really great kind of internal studies of evangelical Christianity in America. Okay, and they do a really great job. It's not like they ask 10 or 15 people. There are these huge, broad studies, and they even narrow it down to people who are sort of committed, but compared to really committed, and they take, so Barna.org is actually one of these places, and they take a group of people, thousands and thousands of people that would, to themselves, they say, we're committed to following Jesus. And then he asked them questions. And the questions he asked is, well, do you believe that Jesus is perfect, that he's the only way? Well, only 30% of those people believe that. All right? Right, do you believe that he has anything to do with, with uh, anything other than saving us from our sin? More than half of the people say there's no other reason for him. Okay? And so it's this idea of, uh, again, is we can create this environment where we can walk in amongst disciples and go, hey, let's all pretend that the kingdom of heaven is worth this much. How about we pretend it? And if you don't ask me, I won't ask you. And that's what's going on in churches today. Hey, let's all come in and just be one way in church and all lovey-dovey and all in one another's lives. And then the other six days, there isn't anything. Okay, that's what's happening. We're trying to take the kingdom of heaven and go, hold on a minute. This really isn't that great, but we can't let people know that. Okay, and, and then something else slips into our vernacular. What we start saying is if we get fed up enough, what we say is, well, no, no, no. See, this is, this is my church isn't doing this well. Okay, that might be true, but here's the deal. You're a part of your church. <laughs> okay? It's really easy to go, oh, man, I wouldn't be like this if I wasn't around a bunch of slackers. No, man, we're, we're all, every one of us, that's the point of the kingdom of God, is that there is no, everybody is equal and valuable and necessary. 
All right. And so it's this idea of we've got to realize the kingdom of heaven that is more valuable than anything we could possibly imagine. And I think we need to take some time to dig into this, to meditate on this a little bit, to go, how great is that? How great is this? Okay. Paul does a great job of translating this for us even. Okay. Even as simple as it is, Paul says, let me teach you what this looks like in my life. And that's our challenge right here, right? I mean, it's not a matter of just telling people this is what it is. Me and you, we've got to be really good with being able to communicate it to people about this is what it looks like in my life. This is why this is true, okay? So over in Philippians chapter 1, um, we have Paul describing this. And in Philippians 1 verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right? That, that's parallel with this verse. Paul is saying there's nothing even comparable. Nothing. Okay, let's me and you think about that. Let's me and you think about that right now. Where we go, there's nothing comparable, nothing at all. In fact, the only thing that would be better is if we died and got to be with Jesus, like forever, like right there with him, okay? But, but Paul doesn't stop. Philippians chapter 3, he goes on, and in verse 7, he says, Everything that was a gain to me, I have considered a loss. Boy, you want to know what? He's talking about things that get people's attention, right? Paul, Paul, the guy who had everything, and he had status, and he had authority, and he had education, and he had a birthright, and he had, you just go down the list, Paul was this guy that had everything, and for him to say, everything I have, no, 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 I don't value those things. That's not a value. In fact, if you want to put a value on it, I value it like my trash, have you ever, have, have you ever, like, our, our trash pickup day is Tuesday morning, okay? Have you ever had the truck go by, and you're like, man, I miss that trash so much? <laughs> you remember, remember that soda we drank last week? I miss those cans being around the house. I miss those, you see what I'm saying is the value of our trash, we're like, I don't miss it at all. In fact, I want it away from me. I don't want it in my house. Paul says, well, hey, here's the deal. Everything that was gained compared to the kingdom of heaven is rubbish. All right? Again, these are huge, huge thoughts. All right? They're not for us to just go, oh, yeah, I get it. Let's go. I mean, th this requires fasting and prayer. Okay? This requires these things because he goes on and he says this. Not only do I view all of the things that the world sees as, as really great things as rubbish, he says more than that. I consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Okay, do you hear what he's talking about here? See, see, this is what disciples, this is what we should be like overflowing with. Is this idea of going, hey, you know, it's not just a matter of me thinking things are rubbish. Okay, it's this idea of going, no, no, no. What I want more than anything, more than anything in this world, is to get to have this. To, to, to va the idea of, of valuing, knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, because for him I have suffered the loss of all things. I consider him filth, so I can gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. 
the righteousness from God based on faith. Now, here he keeps going, okay? He says, here's my goal, okay? This is a man who is living in the kingdom of heaven, all right? He's going, man, there isn't anything. Like, I get it. There's nothing. All I want is to know Jesus. And he said, I actually have a goal in my life, all right? And I wonder if, if we've stopped. Have you, do you have spiritual goals in your life? You know, do you think, man, I have some goals in my life in the kingdom of heaven? He says this, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death and assuming I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. All right, that is good, 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 good stuff right there. All right, but again, we're hearing the heart of Paul and we should challenge ourselves because, again, all of these can sound really, really great. And we put our own heart on this. Ah, can you say this? Is this our goal? Is this the way we live? Is this what we go after? Is this, is this our, the entirety of our life right here? Because here's the deal is, is Paul is saying, I actually, the field, yeah, I, I got the field. I bought the field. I did. I don't have anything. In fact, I gave everything up for that field. And I don't know if we can read anyone outside of the life of Jesus who communicated and lived a more fulfilled life in Christ than Paul. I don't know if we can read about that guy, okay? Because, I mean, you see Paul, and he's, he's even rejoicing about getting beat up and put in jail. <laughs> he's going, no, no, this is the kingdom of heaven. Is, see, here's the difference. When you're in the kingdom of heaven, even being thrown in jail unjustly, okay, cool. See how it's different than the world? See how different that is, okay? Here's the deal. When it comes down to this idea of, of the kingdom of heaven and the greatness of the king, okay, is we have to ask ourselves this. How great is the king, and can you communicate that? All right. And here's what that means, okay, is that we, we actually understand and we can show the world not just in words, but how we live about this, okay? So here's the thing. In the kingdom of heaven, it is better to give than to receive. All right? If the world is looking at disciples and going, man, they're selfish. They, they take and take, or people look at your life behind closed doors at home or something like that and go, no, no, no. man, I, dad's one way in front of everybody else. He's different somewhere else, okay? But it's this idea of th these are kingdom values, right? To go, when we found the kingdom of heaven, all of a sudden we're speaking a different language. When everything's become rubbish, we speak a different language. And the language doesn't make sense to the world because you're going, what do you mean it's better to give than to receive? What do you mean? What do you mean it's better to be second than first? All right, that's a, that's a kingdom ethic right there is, is the goal isn't who's going to be better than everyone else. Who's the best? Who's the flawless one? Who is, that's not the goal in the kingdom. The kingdom is we all need each other. Okay. But here's the deal. Is the world seeing that in your life? Is the world, are they hearing that from you as, man, you want to know what? I, man, in the kingdom of God, I, it's about me and my brothers and sisters loving each other and striving to be like Jesus because we love him. 
It's better in the kingdom to die to myself than to live for myself, okay? Now, if at any point along the way you go, I don't live that out, then then understand something. The kingdom of heaven, you aren't experiencing that. You aren't experiencing the joy because you're, you're not willing to sell everything, to get rid of everything. You really, you, we still think things will do it for us. Okay? Uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1, okay? Now, here's the deal. Uh, again, Paul even does this great job of taking abstract and let's hone it down even further. Like, okay, what, he's not talking about just a behavior. He's not talking about people that just behave well. He's not talking about people who just say the right thing. He's not talking about people who just are, you know, you know, ascetics, just like making themselves miserable to make the kingdom of God look good. He's not talking about these things, okay? In Ephesians 1, verse 11, Paul says this, but he uses some wording, and we're going to dig through this. Ephesians 1, verse 11, um, we have also received an inheritance in Jesus predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we, who had already put his hope in the Messiah, might bring praise to his glory. Right? Very religious sounding. <laughs> okay? It's just all the, the, the last few words are going, praise, glory, what? Like, no, so confusing. What does that mean? But he... he is really encompassing what does it mean to be enamored by the greatness of the king, to live in his kingdom. What, how do we do that if it's not just about behavior? He's saying, here, here's the deal. Is if, if we wanted to translate that out of like Christianese, so to speak, he said what our job is in word and life is to show everybody how great God is in the way we love and live. All right? It, that's, that's what we do, okay? That's how you live in the kingdom of heaven, is that we are living our lives in word and in deed, and our greatest joy is to show the world how incredible it is to be in God's kingdom. That is better than anything, okay? So when people want to know, well, why are you doing this? Why are you, that seems weird that you, you're all about giving or you're all about this or whatever. And you go, no, no, not, not in the kingdom of God. All right? This is how great God is. It's because God, I can't outgive God. <laughs> okay? And, and, and what can happen is the world hoards things. They're like, no, no, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. And I'm going, no, you want to know what? When I, when I buy into this idea that it's better to give, it's amazing that you never are in need. That's what's weird. It's so weird, but it's this idea of, of, of wanting to see the light bulb go off in the world's eyes going, oh, wow, really? It's this idea of sharing with the world how great God, not just God himself, but being in him is. Okay, I want to read this to you. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite descriptions here. Go back to Revelation chapter 19. Okay, uh, because I think we need to challenge ourselves. How do we communicate the greatness of God in our lives? Okay, not just information, but actually in our lives. How do me and you, how are we communicating that to the world today? Okay, I love this, Revelation 19. All right, so 
John is writing this, verse 11, and this is awesome. He said, then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war in righteousness. And his eyes are like a fiery flame. And many crowns are on his head. And he had a name written that no one except him, no one knows except himself. Can, we, can you imagine? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, that dude's got a name on him? That I don't even know. We don't even know what that means. It's too great. He wore a robe stained with blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword was coming from his mouth so he can strike the nations with it. He'll shepherd them with an iron scepter. He'll trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. So he's like, here comes. I don't think Braveheart could win here. I don't think Gladiator could win. I don't think anybody that were like, that guy is so awesome. He can't win. He can't beat this guy. And he says this, uh, he will trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, right? I mean, Jesus, like this tattoo on his thigh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's the greatest tattoo in the world right there. Can you imagine? You're like, are you sure that's him? Check his thigh out. He's got this awesome tattoo on it that says King of Kings. This guy is incredible. But we have to, th this is our king. <laughs> See, this is our king, all right, where he's like, no, I'm not messing around, right? I I've trained people. I've called people. My, my grace has been lavished on people. But I'm not messing around, all right? And, and so you see this, this idea of, of, is this the Jesus we live under, that we love, that we're going, no, you got, the world needs to understand how great this king is. And we need to communicate that, Okay. So here, what's, what's the problem? It, it all sounds great. I read that and I'm like, that's awesome. I read Matthew 13, 44, I'm like, wow, how cool is that? I read Philippians 1 and Philippians 3 and I'm like, wow, that's really neat. I read Ephesians 1 and I'm like, wow, that, that's amazing that he built us not to go and live in this world just like everyone else, but to tell everybody about how great it is to be in him and how amazing he is. And all of that, I'm like, I love all of that. And I would bet you most of us are saying, I love that too. I really, really like it. So what's the problem? So, so what's the problem here? Because remember, Jesus described the kingdom of heaven as being something that cannot, like there is nothing in this world that can even come close to comparison to it. But don't me and you, don't we fight with what the world wants every single day? Isn't that weird? We, we fight with that. Because here's the problem. Me and you, there, there's a side of us, we want both. We want both. And I, I, I want to have this life that is filled with peace and joy and faithfulness and patience. And I want things, I don't want circumstances to, to mess me up. I don't want to be riding this roller coaster of highs and lows. I just want to be, I'm about being faithful in Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. That, that's what I want. But man, the world offers up some, some things, some sales, 
right? You, 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 whatever your favorite store is, you go in, 75% off rack, and you're like, whoa, this is awesome stuff in here. You're like so happy, okay? The world's doing that in every case. Hey, you can have this for less, and it's going to make you something, all right? And so it's this idea of we want both, and, and here's maybe even a deeper heart issue that we should examine. There's a very good chance me and you are in denial. Here's, here's what I mean by that. When we continue to pursue worldly ideals, when we, can, when we continue to think, no, someday I can have enough money and I'm going to pursue that with all I have and I want the kingdom of heaven. Okay. When, when, we're, when, we're, when we think, no, if I, just, if I just invested more time in my job or more time climbing the corporate ladder or more time having powerful friends. If I could just come to that place, if my retirement could just be perfect, if, my, if everything could be that way. It's this idea of we think maybe mankind can deliver fullness. Th think about the race you're running. What makes you nervous? What makes you upset? What, you know, it, hey, in the kingdom of heaven, there, you're going to be upset still, but it's going to be about different things. <laughs> It's different, all right? In the kingdom of the world, you get upset when you don't get what you want. In the kingdom of heaven, there's some mourning and upset when God doesn't get what he wants. See the difference? So what makes you upset? Is it a brother or sister that's rejecting Jesus? Right? That, that, to me, that is the most upsetting, sad things and it's so easy because if we think one day mankind can be okay, we don't ever talk to that brother or sister. We just go, no, no, I know they're going after that relationship. I know they're going after that. No, 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 but it's cool because it might be okay one day. That doesn't make sense at all. Like we have to change our thinking, right? I mean, we have to change, go, no, no, no. There's nothing in this world that can fulfill us. There's no relationship. There's no money. There's no 401k. There's no job security. There's nothing that can. And just being like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that because we're in the kingdom of heaven. But we still kind of think the world can deliver a better place. We're seeing this in our world right now. There's this intense amount of just unrest and anger, and rightfully so. But you want to know what? Here's what we need to be communicating to the world. Jesus has said, told y'all. The world was like this. Y'all forgot about it. Right? Y'all got in your own cocoons and thought everything was great. You got into your own little world and was like, no, I can make my world comfortable. And then all of a sudden when you see sin for what it is and it's all nasty, we want to get angry and change mankind. Instead of Jesus going, no, no, I I've been telling y'all this from the beginning. The world's a mess. I'm glad we see it now. But don't try to fix it with the world. Don't try to fix it with the world. That's ridiculousness. Okay? It's like, you know, your oil plug in your car is missing. And so you're like, oh, man, I don't have any oil. Go get me some five quarts of oil to put in. That's the dumbest thing in the world because the plug ain't in. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. We're like, this is what investing in the world does. You're putting oil in a car that doesn't have an oil plug. And you're going, this car should run better. No, 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 no. No, it shouldn't. The world and mankind will not deliver. 
what the kingdom of heaven will. And, and here's, here's where the foolishness comes in. Do you ever, ever pay attention when you read the Bible how many times um, Jesus, God in the Old Testament, will call people foolish? Like, you fool. That's foolish. And sometimes we think that's kind of tough. That's hard to hear, okay? But when you think about it, is when we're battling about where am I going to really put my trust and what has been proven time and time again, okay? And you look at the world and go, to, to throw my hat in the ring of marriage in the world, it's already proven to be fraudulent. The, the experiment has happened. It doesn't work. You're like, but no, Keith, you understand. I knew this one family. Well, okay, listen. Maybe you did, okay? But I'm telling you, you look at the world around us, and you're going, the world's way of doing marriage has proven false. It fails, okay? And the second time, it fails even more. So when you try to do the experiment a second time, you're even more likely to fail, okay? When we look at all of these things um, about, um, uh, you know, just people who, if we just had money, if we just had more money, okay, except we see in the world everywhere, the richest people are the mi- most miserable. We love, to, is, you, we love to read quotes about rich people saying, oh man, I wish everybody would know that having money doesn't bring everything you want. We like read it and then we're like, okay, now how can I get rich really quick? Because maybe... Maybe this will work for me, okay? And so when you look at that, you're going, that's just foolish. That's absolutely foolish. Okay? It's, it's, it's foolish. It's like, it's like if you're going to make coffee. I like having coffee in the morning, okay? I, Michael and Liz, man, they are like baristas like supreme. Now, Michael would say I'm a fool if I said, Michael, this morning the coffee I made didn't taste very good. Well, Keith, tell me how you came about that. Well, here's the thing is, is I have my coffee pot and I poured in 10 cups at the top and I hit power and there it went. Well, well, Keith, have you ever made coffee without putting coffee grounds in? Mm -mm. But I thought maybe it will work this time. I thought maybe. Well, I mean, why not, right? Maybe it'll work, okay? Michael will be like, you're a fool, man. Like, don't you know? That's never happened. It never will happen. Put some coffee in it. And we make foolish decisions when it comes to the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of the world. Because we keep trying, if I just got a a better car, if I just had a better boat, if I just had a better job, if I just had a better, maybe it'll work, okay? And that's just foolishness. It's never worked. It never will work. And then here's here's the problem. And this may be, this may be, the toughest one to overcome. It's our desire, me and you, to want the kingdom of heaven in the quickest, most convenient, and easiest way possible. That, that might be the worst of all. That might be the worst news you hear. Is No, no, no. It, it isn't quick. It isn't how can I shove in a few minutes a day into my life. It, it, it is about sacrifice. It's not easy. It's hard. It is difficult to unlearn what the world's teaching us. It is difficult to repent. It is difficult to be humble. It is difficult to go, no, I'm not leading my life. Jesus is. It's difficult. But me and you, in every single way in our lives, we look for this. Um, when we buy a house, we want a house to be at a place where we can drive the least to wherever we want to go. Okay? We want to live 
and, and exist in the most convenient possible way. Meaning like convenience to me is a job that's 10 to four and pays $250,000 a year. That's awesome. Wouldn't that be great? Because I could sleep in. I get home early. I mean, that's, that's awesome. We should, listen, you want to know what? Those are out there. Let's spend the next month or two going for it. How about that? Right? And then you know what we do? We sit back and go, man, the kingdom of heaven, huh? It's not that big a deal. But I'm not going to tell anybody that. I'm just going to go back to church and we're all going to pretend like you don't ask me and I won't ask you. Instead of going, what? hold on a minute, we should be. We're following Jesus here. Like, hold on, no, 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 the kingdom of heaven. But, but Keith, you want to know what you can do? If for the next three or four weeks you do this thing, you can have the 10 to 4, $250,000 a year, and just go for it. You're going to have to make some sacrifices spiritually, but go for it. Okay, I'm going, heck no. No way. But it's not that big a deal. Yes, it is a big deal. <laughs> It's a big deal if I go, okay, I'll set this kingdom of heaven aside for a little bit to go and get what I want, okay? Now, here's the deal. Turn over to Haggai chapter 1, right? Because Haggai, you know, this is when the Bible start flipping, right? You're like, Haggai? Where is Haggai? Go into your, your minor prophets. Not too many pages in between each book. Haggai chapter 1. Let's hear these words. Okay, let's hear these words. Haggai 1 verse 2. The Lord of hosts says this. These people say... The time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. The word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet. And he said, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled homes while this house lies in ruins? Now the Lord of hosts says, think carefully about your ways. Okay, let's let those words sink in. Think carefully about your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink but never have enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. The Lord of hosts says this, think carefully about your ways. All right, the second time he said that, okay? Take careful consideration of our ways. He said, go up into the hills, bring down lumber, build the house, then I'll be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? Well, this is a declaration of the Lord of hosts, because my house still lies in ruins while each of you is busy with his own house. Okay, so, so let's think about that for a minute. We're not talking about going and building a building or building a temple. Okay, the context of this, the heart of this is, guys, y'all are taking care of your life. Hey, hey you, go do what you need to do. That's what's happening is the people are like, we're just, listen, man, I got things to do at my house. I got things to do in my life. I got things that can't, I mean, you don't realize what has to be done. And that's what all the anxiety and the worry go into is that. And he says, take careful consideration with how you're living. 
Because you've planted a lot and reaped a little. You don't have enough. You want more. It's been out there. And he's saying, here's the deal is, is because my people, they're not, they're not about, okay, see, see the temple was about the presence of God. The temple was where God was glorified, okay? It's this idea of my people aren't worried about tending to me in this world. My people aren't, that's not their primary thing. Their primary thing is their things. And if I could just get God, like, you know, I'll work on his place once a month if I have time. And I'm not talking about attendance, okay? That's not what I mean. I'm talking about how we live. Right. Hey, when I get time, I'll do it. When I get time, I'll hang out with my people. When I have time, I'll do that. But I got stuff to do. Okay? And so I think we really need to consider this call that Haggai's giving us. Let's finish up in Jude. In Jude, there's only one chapter. Right before Revelation. Okay? Because we want to bring this all the way back here. Your Bible has maybe opened in places that has never opened before. Jude, the only chapter, which is one. Verse 24, okay. He says, now to him, now to Jesus, who is able to protect you from stumbling, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.